message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Now let's try it. When they hand me that mic, I go, no, 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 I'm Italian. Uh, good morning, all of you internet listeners and watchers. We're glad to have you. Sorry we had a little problem there. I, uh, Notice I have chap lips, and I was kind of picking them when I come out, and I thought, oh, everybody tells me not to do that. And I thought of a story where a cowboy in the cowboy days one day, he, he rode up to the saloon, tied his horse up, and he went around the back, lifted up his tail, and cussed, kissed his butt. <laughs> and he went in the bar. Someone said, I see you, what you did. Was that, you just kissed your horse's butt? He said, yeah. He said, I got chap lips. <laughs> he said, you got chap lips? Do you think that's going to help? No. But he said, it'll keep me from licking them. Now, that wasn't in my notes. I just thought of that when I had chap lips this morning. Okay, I came to church. I didn't come to hear that. Oh, come on. Chill out. Chill out a little bit, okay? Humor's good medicine. Uh, I answered a lot of prophecy questions on social media. I could continue weeks on prophecy. I mean, you look at what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. And it just so happens that NATO comes in and Turkey says, uh-uh, we're not agreeing with NATO. We're not going to go against Russia. If you look back at the countries that's going to invade Israel, it's quite possible one of those nations is, is uh, not Turkey, but I mean uh, Germany said that. And Germany might be one of those nations. It looks like they are. It's just you read the newspaper and you read prophecy and you go, wow. But... I answered a lot of prophecy questions on social media last week, and I think we're going to move on. I could go on prophecy forever. I answered probably 40 questions on, on uh, Facebook and on emails this week. So we might go back. We'll see what goes on in the next months or year, but right now I think we're going to move on. I looked at the book of First Peter. That's the book that we're studying, and I got stuck at chapter 1, verse 22. This would have been one of the verses for today, but let's read chapter 1, verse 22. God anoint me in Jesus' name, amen. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from what? What does it say? It says, fervently love one another from the heart. That's important that we put that in there. Let's look at this same verse in the Message Bible. Now that you cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. Now, in the Greek, there's four basic words used for love. In fact, there's a lot more than four, but let's condense it to four. Eros, love, E-R-O-S. It's where we get the word eroticism. It's a passionate love. It's a romantic love. 
The first day I saw Debbie as a senior in high school and she walked into my advisory class, I went, yeah, yeah, that'll do. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I liked what I saw. Ooh la la. Mamma mia. Now, Valentine's, Valentine's Day is just, what, a couple weeks away. And I want to give you guys some ideas ahead of time. Uh, see, Sometimes when we talk about love as Christians, we go, let's talk about the good love today, as if all four loves aren't good. God created the whole concept of love, and all four types of these Greek concepts of love, they're all good when used in the proper context, when used the way they were designed to be used. They're all good. So I looked at some ideas, creative ideas for Valentine's Day. One is, it says, go to a drive-in movie. Do, do those things still exist? Maybe back east. But that'd be cool if they did. Uh, make a scrapbook of your relationship using pictures. Come on, I'm giving you some ideas, guys. It says, carve a bar of soap into a heart shape. Really? You think I can do that? And would I do it if I had the time? That's a waste of time. Number four, I like to recreate your first date. Go to the same place you went. Go buy this, maybe at the thrift store, buy the same kind of clothes you wore then. Like me, it would be blue jeans with the cuffs rolled up, white t-shirt, you know. Go rent a car like an old 60s or 70s car, and, and that might be pretty cool. Go to the same place you went on your first date. might be cool. And this one I couldn't believe. It says, go to Costco and eat their samples and then go out to dinner. <laughs> That's wrong. Really wrong. And what do you do? Fake it out, get a basket like you're shopping? Uh, but here's one I really like. Maybe you could pull this off, guys. A guy calls his wife, and he says, I'm working late tonight, but how about going out to dinner when I get off? She says, great. She goes home, gets in the shower, takes a long shower. And when she gets out, there's a note, note wedged under the door, and it had red and pink hearts attached to it. And it said, Love is big, love is tall, look for me in the hall. She went out, went into the hallway, didn't seem, but there was a note on the hall door and it said, go to the kitchen. She goes in the kitchen and there's a love note on the fridge and it says, inside is a box of your favorite candies. Sure enough, she opened it up and it was her favorite candy, she tasted one. Then there was a note in the box and it says, go into the bedroom. She goes in the bedroom, and there are fresh rose petals all over the bed, a rose on the pillow, and a note says, go to the balcony. She goes out to the balcony, and there he sits with a candlelight dinner and her favorite song playing in the background. And he says, I really didn't work today. I went to my sister's house and prepared this all day just for you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So there is eros love, eros love, and we can improve on that love. Uh, there's philia love or phileo. That's an affection between friends. The city of Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love. I have my best childhood friend going to church here now. He'll be here in the third service, him and his wife. We grew up together. We fought together. We regularly put boxing gloves on. We fought. We got thrown in jail together. And he goes here right now. He was going to Canyon Hills, and he got saved, and he came over here. 
Just kidding. I love <laughs> Wendell Vincent's a good friend, and that's a very good church. Uh, you, 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 didn't, you didn't say anything right away. I think you thought, did he just say what I thought he said? Uh, this is my best friend, sits in the front row. All the trouble we've been through, it's unbelievable. We talk about it all the time. But you know, good friendships take time to, and effort to sustain. Does somebody need to hear that today? It takes time and effort to sustain good friendships. And then the other love is storge, and it's the love of parents for children. Then the, 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 the deepest love level you can actually ever have is called agape or agapeo love. That's the love that God has for mankind. It's self-sacrificial love. It is unconditional love. It's not based on feelings at all. It's the highest form of love there is. Now, this love can go really, really deep. Notice again what it says in our text today. Fervently, fervently love one another and let that love come from the heart. Now, I noticed something this week that I've never really noticed before. At least I have never paid attention to it. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. This week and next week we're going to look at it. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 as it speaks of agape love. Look at verse number 1. 13, verse number 1, chapter 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But I do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Wow. Do you get that? I mean, would any of you go to a gong concert? A cymbal concert? All cymbals? No, that, that, that would, that, you just wouldn't even think about doing that. Do you know any noisy Christians? They're always talking a lot, but not really saying anything. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Hmm. Look at verse number two. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries, and I have all the knowledge in the world. I mean, I can, I can I memorize that Bible, man. I know everything. If I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but... Do not have love, I'm, I'm nothing. Wow, verse 3. And if I give all of my possessions, how many of my possessions? If I give all of them to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now, I used to think, and some of you might still think this way, if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, then you know what? That would be love at its deepest level. But here it says that apparently you could do that and still not have biblical love. Wow. You might do that from a patronizing spirit. You might do that from a guilty spirit. I don't know. But it says you can do that and still not have agape love. Now, listen to me. Stay with me. The Bible says God is love. Look at 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in his love, and one who abides in God, 
and God abides in him, then it goes on to say basically we'll have the same love. Look at 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, if you're a tall person or a short person, you really can't help that. That's who you are. Some of us are white-skinned, some of us are brown-skinned, some of us are black-skinned, but you know what? That's just who we are. There's no changing that. God is love. He can't help himself. He is love, and he loves others because he has to, because that's who he is. That's what he's made of. Now, listen to me closely. If God is love, and Jesus was the perfect representation of God, and we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus, then we should be in the process of being moved to this deeper level of love. And as long as we're on this earth, we should keep being moved to a deeper level of love as time goes by. For example, my love today is nothing like it was 10 and 20 years ago. I totally love different. And if I live long enough, in 10 or 15 years, my love will still be deeper as I abide in Christ. For example, I saw a very, very, very large person a few days ago. I'm you know, talking about 380, 400 pounds. And I saw this person, and immediately my heart just ached for them. It was a lady. And I thought, I am sure that growing up and even today, people have probably made fun of her. And it just killed me. I really started having a heart conversation. I felt bad for her. Now, two decades ago, I might have been able to brush it off a little easier. I see little children being neglected and parents yelling at them and screaming up in the market or Walmart or wherever, and my heart just hurts for those children. I want to go up and ask them, can I have them? Because I wouldn't do that to them. It kills me. See, something's happened to me. I see your kids as my kids. And I'm, I'm not, you know, elevating myself. I think everybody's the same way that walks with Christ for a lot of years. I see your grandkids as my grandkids. I had a young man on the phone the other night wanting to commit suicide, and I saw that as my son. And I just couldn't rest. I was up to one in the morning. Are you okay? Keep checking with you. I mean, it's crazy. Debbie will tell you. She has to give me money all the time. I come home with empty wallets. I... I see people and I hurt. Again, I'm not elevating. I know a lot of you are just like me. I'm just trying to tell you that this is what you're going to grow into, okay, if you keep serving the Lord. Uh, there was a young lady that came to Debbie and I in Vegas, and she came on a regular basis seeking counsel from us. And this young lady, she was getting absolutely no breaks in life whatsoever, and my heart just broke for her. And I went home one day, and I told Debbie in Vegas, I said, Debbie, are you thinking what I'm thinking? She says, yes, let's take her home with us. I said, I'm thinking the same thing. And so we brought her home with us, and we got her a job, and 
We got her a place to live and was trying to get her a car. And then she decided she needed to go back. You say, was that the right thing to do, Ron? I don't know if it was the right thing to do. But at that time, it was the only thing I could do. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I was compelled. Debbie and I's heart was constrained. She just called me, texted me this week and said, Pastor Ron, I'm now married and I'm pregnant. I wanted you to be the first one to know. And I was so excited for her. Look at Matthew 14, verse 13, 14. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he what? What does it say? He felt compassion for them. And out of that compassion, he healed their sick. Look at Luke 7, 12 through 15. And as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt what? What did he feel? Say it loud. He felt compassion for her. And then he said to her, do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin And the bearers came to a halt, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. The origin of the word compassion, the origin, is very important. In Latin, it's compate, and it means to suffer with. See, compassion means that someone else's heartbreak becomes our heartbreak. Someone else's suffering becomes our suffering. Their joy becomes our joy. It's the level of love that God wants to bring us to. In 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about the unity of the body and how, you know, the hand needs the, the, the arm and the leg and the head. They all need one another. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we must be unified in the body. And when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we are all honored. Now, listen to me closely when I say this. I'm taking you to a level today, and I know none of us are really there yet. I might be a little ahead of some of you, and some of you might be a little ahead of me. I'm not sure. But we're in the progress. We're in a journey. And we're all growing in our faith, and we're all at different levels. But I'm trying to tell you today, this is the level that God wants to bring us to. So how do we start with that? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to try to cover several of these characteristics. I'll only get one of them today. But let's read verse 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, let's start breaking down some of these characteristics of true agape love. It's a starting place for us. And we're just going to get one of these today, but it says agape love is patient. Let's look at the Greek word for patient. It's to suffer long. What? To suffer long and not try to get out of it necessarily. It's forbearing. It's, it's persevering. It's to have a long fuse. 
Someone gave it this definition, patience. It's the ability to be wronged again and again and have the power to retaliate but refuse to use it. Now, I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. I met Debbie in high school. Debbie went to East Bakersfield High. I went to Foothill High. And one day, for a reason we can't even explain, unless it was God, Debbie decided to transfer from East Bakersfield to Foothill. Her parents moved. All of her siblings stayed in the schools they were at, but she decided to move. Now, her maiden name was Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. And in those days, we were put into an advisory class according to alphabetical order. And so Vaughn with a V and Vietti with a V, we were in the same advisory class. Remember the day she walked in? The first day she walked in, and I went, and the girl in front of me that kind of was liking me, and we were kind of at a thing going, she says, oh, eat your heart out. She's already going with somebody. And we'll see about that, I said. We'll see. <laughs> now, give you a backdrop here. One of my best friends was like one of the toughest guys at our high school. He was very tough. He loved to fight. He lived to fight. Tough guy. But we grew up together since kindergarten. And uh, he was also... He liked the ladies a lot, and not in a good way. And so, whenever I started going steady with Debbie, and she became my, my girlfriend, I went to him, and I said, you know what? Don't talk to my girlfriend. I know your style. Stay away from her. Now, I back up a second. I forgot to tell you. When Debbie went to EB, her best friend was going steady with my best friend at Foothill. And so she heard almost every day at lunch, that Ron Vietti is such a bad character. He, he got my boyfriend thrown into jail. He did, 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 did. So she kind of knew who I was when she came over. I was the bad boy. So, so when she came over, we started going together eventually. I got her phone number. We started going together. And I told my best friend, I said, you know what? I said, stay away from her. Don't talk to her. One day I'm in class, advisory class. He was also in advisory class. And I saw him talking to my my girlfriend, and they were laughing and stuff, and so I took this big old thing of pencils out of my desk, and I threw it at both of them, just, I was mad. The bell rang, and the teacher said, no fighting in here, no fighting, and I walked out, and I took the desk, and I pushed it into Debbie's desk, and I let her know I was mad. I walked out, and I looked at this guy, and I said, you know what, me and you after school today, that's it. I said, we're going to do it in your front yard so your parents could see me beat you up. Now, now listen, I knew I couldn't beat him up. He would have cleaned my clock. But I, I was mad. And you do crazy things when you're mad. And so he left the classroom that day, came back in at the end of the day, stood there looking at me, and I thought, he's going to hit me right now. And he looked at me shaking, and he said, you know what? I'm not shaking because I'm afraid of you. I'm just shaking because I don't want to do this. He said, we're, we've grown up together, and we're good friends. I'm not going to fight with you. The idea is he had the ability to clean my clock. He was bigger than me. He was faster than me. He had fought a lot I hadn't. But he refused to do it because he loved me, cared about me. That's the general idea. Abraham Lincoln had an enemy when he was in politics named Edward Stanton. Edwin Stanton hated Abraham Lincoln. He called him the cunning clown, 
He'd make fun of him in public, saying he's the original gorilla. Why would you go to Africa hunting for gorillas when you have the original gorilla right here? He was always arguing with Lincoln, always insulting him. Then one day, there came a time when Abraham Lincoln needed to appoint a secretary of war. And he went to his cabinet and he said, we're going to give this to Edwin Stanton. And his cabinet said, what, are you crazy? You know how he hates you? He calls you names, he insults you? That's absolute, why would you do that? He said, because he's the best man for the job. Abraham Lincoln was a patient man. When Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, I'm told that night, they took his body and laid it in a room there outside the theater. And one of the first people in was Edwin Stanton. And they said he stood there looking at the body of Abraham Lincoln with tears running down his face. And he said, there lies the greatest rooter the world will ever know. But do you see how patience was a part of that? We are to be long-suffering. We're to be patient with people. We're not to retaliate. Even when we have the ability to do so, we're not to do it. Now, when we're patient with people, we give God time to move. Some time back, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm sure none of you ever do that. I wasn't in a very good mood. And I was moving quickly that morning, and I said something very hurting to my wife. It hurt her. I knew it did. Very insulting. I just said it. And I could see right away I hurt her. She kind of recoiled, and I thought, oh. But she didn't say anything back to me. She said, what do you want for breakfast this morning? And she kissed me before I left. I got in the car, and man, the conviction came. God started messing with me. I know I've given two or three illustrations like this. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I'm kind of a firecracker. And I got in the car, and I thought, oh, did you see the look on her face? You hurt her, you idiot. I know I call myself an idiot, but I did. I, oh, all day long, I just, oh, I thought about it, and I thought, how could you do that? She's so sweet. She, she does everything for you. And when I got home, I couldn't wait to apologize. I said, I am so sorry. The point is, if she would have went back, she said, you're just a jerk. You know what? You just get on my nerves. You know, da, da, da. Then I could have argued with her, and I wouldn't have felt bad. We would have both got our jabs in, our punches in, and I wouldn't have felt bad at all. But because she was patient, and she took it on the chin, and she probably went to prayer for me knowing her, because she did that all day long, I was able to process that, and it made a very deep impression on me. Wow, patience is powerful. See, we can get into the bad habit of having to have the last word, having to have the last say, you push me, I'll push you. We'll trade punches if that's what you want to, want to do. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 21, 22. If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. My wife heaped burning coals on my head that day by loving me regardless of what I did and said. Look at 1 Peter 3, 9. Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult. Well, hello, wait, 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 wait. We're Christians. This is the Word of God. Take this seriously. Christians obey the Word of God. Look at this. Take this. You are not to return evil for evil. You're not to return insult for insult. Swallow that pill. But give a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Look at this same verse 
in the message. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing and you'll also get a blessing. Being patient with others is not an easy thing to do. It takes spirit strength. I'll bet I have calluses on my tongue from biting it. Anybody with me? I'm going to give someone a rhema. It's an old rhema. It's an old rhema, but it's someone for here right now. You need this. Sometimes you have to lose a battle in order to win the war. Somebody needs that. Where does that speak to you at right now? See, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Did you get that? Patience is what? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know God has called you to do a whole lot of things that are impossible? In terms of human flesh, they're impossible. Love your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you. But Ron, I can't do that. Of course you can't. You have to go to God to get supernatural strength to do it. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, now get this. I've said this before, but it's important for you to see. Our goal is to walk in the Spirit at all times. Unfortunately, we don't. We go in the Spirit, out of the Spirit. In the Spirit, out of the Spirit. Our goal is to walk in the Spirit all the time. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. A faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. When I went to Vegas for all those years, driving it once a week sometimes, I made that trip, and it was easy to be faithful to it because the Lord was anointing me with His Spirit. His Spirit made it easy. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. How many of you, when you're tempted, you make it a habit of going to the altar and say, God, I need your strength today. I'm weak, but I need your strength. Now, we want to walk in the Spirit all the time, so that this fruit will be evident all the time. Don't, stop going in and out so much. Now, I'm going to have to resume next week. But let me today end by doing two or three things. Number one, I want to confess something to you that I'm sure I've said to you before. But when I was younger, I didn't want to become a Christian because I didn't understand what a Christian really was. I thought that a Christian was some mamby-pamby, Casper milk toast type person. I didn't want to be like that. Bless his heart, but I didn't want to be a Mr. Rogers in the neighborhood. That just wasn't for me. I looked down on Christians. I used to like to watch Westerns, and I'd watch some Puritan family on a Western or some Quakers, or I'd look at some, some Christian in a Western, a Christian preacher or something, and they were all... So, goody two-shoes. I, I, I don't identify with that, you know. I'd be watching the Western, and some bad guy would be, you know, hitting up, hitting on this preacher's wife or the Quaker's wife, and they'd just be quoting Scripture at him and smiling at him and get thee behind me, Satan, and they, they were all nicey-nice, and I'd be yelling at the screen, deck him, deck him. Don't let him get by with that, you weak Christian the movies always depicted Christians as weak, goofy, geeky, pathetic losers, detached from reality. And I couldn't relate to that. 
But then when I started studying the Bible, I saw something totally different. I saw General Joshua. I saw Moses who killed a guy. I saw these guys who had guts and gusto. I said King David. I saw King David, a man after God's own heart. And I've told you before, David was a lover of God, a lover of God. But if you crossed him, he'd kill you, man. He was a mean sucker. You can read it in the Bible. Tough guy. He didn't mess with David. Ask Abigail, my history teacher. No, no, just Abigail. Some of you didn't get it. My wife said you wouldn't get that. You don't listen to 60s rock and roll. Uh, ask Abigail. One day she wasn't at home, and her husband, Nabal, disrespected David. David paid, David's men paid a visit to Nabal's men, and Nabal insulted David, and when she got home and heard about it, she goes, that was not smart. That was not intelligent to insult that guy. And of course, you know the story. She quickly packed up some stuff and headed David off the pass as he came to kill Nabal and all of his men. And she said, don't do this, man. You're, you're a better man than this. And he, he listened to her. Now, in my mind, I see Christianity totally different after studying the Bible and being a Christian for years. It's not some mamby-pamby, Casper milk toast type person. Like today, this is what I see in my mind. If I'm a Christian man and I leave church today and somebody tries to pick a fight with me in the parking lot, for whatever reason. We live on the east side. It could be for any, any reason. And let's say some dude goes out there and he, he pushes us, man. And he says, you know what? Come on, baby. I'm going to deck you. Maybe he takes a punch at us. And we're a good Christian, man. Now, this is the way I see Christianity. Something like this. He goes, hey, cool it, man. What's up with you? Look, you know, hey, cool it, man. There's, there's children around here. There's women in, around here. Don't need to see this. Oh, come on, dude. You want some of this? Come on. I've had enough of you. You know what you did to me a year ago? Come on, come on. And the Christian guy says, come on, no, no, no. Now, look, listen to me. I don't want any trouble. I'm not afraid of you. Believe me, I'm not afraid of you. I think I can handle you, really. But you know what? We're, I'm a Christian. You're at church today. We come here to honor God. Can I pray for you? Would you let me? No, you ain't going to pray for me. I just want to deck you. Okay, I'm going to pray for you when I get in the car. <laughs> but this isn't the place and the time, all right? So please cool it. We don't need to go there. Now, that, that guy looks good. That's a man's man. He's a Christian man. If you're a single person, you start dating some hot chick, and some night you're out in the car and things get hot and heavy, you know, I used to think a Christian would go, get thee behind me, Satan. The Bible says. No. I'm a Christian guy. I might stop and say, well, oh, oh, you know what? I can't go there. See, I'm a Christian. I love God. Now, now don't get me wrong. It's not that you're not hot. You're really hot. And I could flat enjoy this if I would give in. But I can't because I love God. And I can't cross that boundary. I couldn't live with him being disappointed with me. Now see, that, that's, to me, that's, that's a Christian. That's the kind of Christians I think that were in the Bible that God says, a man of my own heart. Now, gals, you just take those illustrations and translate them into feminine verbiage, okay? But... We'll continue with the study next week, but I'm going to end in a very unique way. Listen to me closely. Today I'm going to end with a song. Now, this has been a hard year for many of us, a very tough year. I get your messages. Do you realize that I get, oh gosh, you wouldn't believe how many messages I get every day. 
I sent out a text to some of you, and I usually get five to 600 responses on that text. And I know by experience, and I know by speaking with you, a lot of you have lost loved ones this year. Would you believe how many people we buried from COVID? Some of you live in a small world. We buried a lot. One gal in our church now, her mother and father are both in intensive care with COVID. Her dad just died, and she can't even see them. So a lot of you have lost loved ones. A lot of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost marriages. Some of you have just been diagnosed with cancer and heart disease. I know because I get your messages. I, I answer your emails. Now, I really feel that God wants us to end with a song today. And this song is going to blow you away. Somebody sent me this song this week. And I sat down and listened to it. And I literally sat there and bawled like a baby. I just wept as I listened to the words of this song. Now, for all of you online, we have to go offline because if we play it online, they'll take us off. It's getting crazy rules out there. So all of you people online, as soon as we get off, there's going to be a link to this song. I want you online to get somewhere quiet, turn the song on, crank it up, and listen. I promise you, we're supposed to hear this song today. So let's hear it. Listen. Kick back if you want to sing along, if you know what you can, and then I'll come back out and close the service. So let's do that right now.
Is that your prayer today? Did that song bless anybody beside me? I just wept as I listened to it. Because we're all going through stuff. And I said, God, let it come if it's going to make new wine out of me. It's going to take me to a level deeper. We're going to go back to ending our services every second service with a song every week. But I wanted you just to listen to that one. Did you get something out of today's message? God's not going to stop messing with us. He wants to take us from level to level in love. That's what it's all about. You can know all the verses. You can have all the doctrines down right. You can have all the knowledge. You can be puffed up. But if you don't have love, you're giving us a headache. Love is the key thing. To love your Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Can we go deeper in love? Deeper in Eros love? Deeper in Philadelphia love? Deeper in Storge love, but most of all, go deeper in Agape love. I love you guys, and I'm honored to be your pastor. I mean that with all of my heart. Let's end with this prayer today. Lord God, let's all pray it. Lord God, I'm willing. Do what you have to do to take me deeper in love. I want to go to a deeper level. Lord, I don't want to love with just actions. I want a love that comes from my heart. I give you permission to mess with me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you're not a Christian today, all you have to do, pray with these people up here or go home and pray. Say, God, I want to serve you. So send your Holy Spirit and come and live in my body to give me the strength and power I need to start following you. You do that and you're saved. I love you, love you, love you. See you here, there, in the air. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.